0: Hey guys, welcome to the Metaphobia Podcast. Uh, today on the episode, I am going to go over some of the symptoms I'm having in Metaphobia. Um, <clears throat> I found this really cool Reddit post and the lady on there was explaining all of her symptoms that she had been having um, after she, you know, had a Metaphobia. And So she wanted to just explain all that and I kind of want to explain it here um, just for some of the people who may not know they have a Metaphobia or are like looking into it. Uh, Maybe this can help um, explain some things and maybe send this to a friend if you think maybe they have some issues like that. Uh, But yeah, let's get right into it. Get into it. So the first thing I have on this list here is the obsession over food dates. So this is something that I've always had uh, when I first uh start I don't want to say it got emetophobia, I've had it all my life, but it's only been prevalent for the last like ten or so years. So um, so when I first you know started dealing with the emetophobia, the dates on food was so dire to me because My mom would bring home stuff from the store and then she'd put it in the fridge. And, like I've said in previous podcast episodes, she would not always put things away. Like, she would leave things out on the counter or she would use them, uh, like, one time and then wait a month and then use it again. It was just, it's tormented me. So now, every time I go to her house or every time I go to somebody's house who's making food, like, if I have a chance to look at the date on the package, because, like, I still do this. I mean, even with crackers and stuff. Like if the crackers have been in the cabinet for too long, I'm like, not nah, just too much of a chance. Don't know what's get, Don't know what's in there. Like they've been there too long. And like, um, it's just the dates on things is very important to us who have metaphobia. uh, because for obvious reasons, we don't want to, uh, deal with getting sick. So if we eat thing, if we think that if we eat things that are within their date, then we will be good. Um, and you know, I totally agree with you there. So yeah, that's the first, uh, first symptom of emetophobia that I uh, found out about. All right, so here's another one on my list of the symptoms of emetophobia. Uh, The next one is cooking food for double the time and still eating around the outside of the food. Uh, So this is something that I had, even since I was a kid, I've always liked things to be like extremely well cooked because I didn't like things to be raw at all. Like No burgers could be raw, nothing. Like My eggs even had to be scrambled all the time. Uh, but then as I've grown older now, I've started to really enjoy, uh, you know, a more of a medium to medium rare, uh, steak and, uh, things are a lot different. But back when my metaphobia was extremely difficult to deal with, um, if I had to cook chicken or eat chicken, I would tell them like, say I went to KFC or something, or say I went out to dinner with my mom and got a chicken sandwich or something. I always told them like, please leave it on the grill for like five or six minutes more than you think you're going to need to. Like I'm going to make sure it's cooked. And uh, I don't know if they even did that or not, but it made me feel better. So, but yeah, I've always had that issue where cooking burgers and stuff, cooking any kind of meat. Um, if I have to cook it for any period of time, I cook it longer than I need to. And then it's where you don't want to eat the middle because you're like, the middle is probably raw. And I've done these like foil dinners sometimes where we cook fish in the foil dinner and stuff with like some lemon and butter and all that stuff. And I get a little bit weary sometimes because I look around the fish and I'm like I don't know if the middle is completely cooked even though I know it is like I did the recipe exactly like it says and if that's how it's made that's how it's made like I don't know but uh, I've been getting better with that situation but yes it is one of the most annoying things about uh, ametophobia is you can't really enjoy your food anymore everything is cooked so much it's like dry and it's just not enjoyable it's like gross so uh, I like to enjoy my meat now and and uh, eat it the way it's made to be eaten Anywho, that's the second thing on my list is uh, yeah, cooking food for double the time. So, Another symptom of emetophobia, something that really bothers us, is uh, no takeout. So you don't go get takeout food anywhere. And on top of that, you don't eat at restaurants very often. Um, I know that's been prevalent in my life because uh, I, I do like takeout food and I did like it as a kid. As I got into the emetophobia a little more, it started to kind of make me think too much about it, and I was overthinking every time I wanted to get some sort of takeout, because I'm like, I wasn't there, I didn't get to see them make it, I don't know what they put on it, maybe they used a weird knife that had like something on it already, or maybe they like used a spoon from the meat and they put it in the vegetables, or like, you, you never know what's gonna happen. So it's like you just get really nervous about getting takeout, and that same thing also happens at restaurants, because you can't really go back there and watch the cooks cook your meal, So you kind of just have to trust people and assume that they're cooking things to the right temperatures and uh, being as sanitary as possible. And working in kitchens myself, um, I'll tell you that some kitchens are reliable and some are not. So it depends on, uh, I think it depends on whether there's a camera in the kitchen or not because I worked at uh, Schmuffalo Schmild's Wings, Uh, yeah whatever you can figure out what that is, Um, and uh, I worked there for a little while, and we had cameras in the kitchen, so we couldn't really do anything disgusting. Like, we had to keep everything on track, and nothing could be out of place, and things needed to be cleaned, and, you know, they could watch and see what we did. So, it was uh, like having somebody watching over your shoulder while you're cooking. But then there's been other restaurants that didn't have cameras, and things have gone on that uh, I don't want to explain on my podcast, because it will freak you guys out a little bit. So, we'll save that for some horror story situations. Um... But, yeah, eating at restaurants is always difficult, and the uh, takeout situation is very hard to do. Um, also, going to dinner with friends. Uh, going to friends' houses, that's the same thing with restaurants. At least you can kind of watch the parents cook the food, but I have an issue where I'm always asking a million times, like, well, how did you cook it? What did you cook it with? What is that pan clean? Can I see the pan before you? Like, you can't be a weirdo in somebody else's house. Like, you just can't. you got to be on point, so it's hard for you to ask those questions to people you don't know. Um, so I tended to, if I had to go to a family dinner somewhere that, uh, um, involved my friends or something at their house, I would definitely, um, either just eat like bread and butter and like the easy stuff to eat that I know you can't mess up, or I just would not eat at all. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so thankfully over the years it's gotten easier and uh, now I can eat anywhere and do whatever I need to do to eat. But, um, yeah, at one point in my life it was extremely difficult and I know it's extremely difficult for other people who have emetophobia as well so um <clears throat> we always watch our food being cooked and ask many questions that's the other thing on my list that I kind of just went over but yeah basically like when my mom is cooking a meal even nowadays I'll be like so what wait where's the bag that you used to put in there what did you what did you put in that just now like I'm always curious about what she's cooking with and like how old it is and where she got it from and I just I still to this day have like, I'm like gun shy about it And uh, same thing goes for sometimes when I'm at the grocery store or something, like I want to watch them because I was at the grocery store once. And I saw this lady with gloves on touch raw chicken and then touch the stove or the the oven handle and close the door, push the buttons with her raw chicken hands, turned around, took all the pans to the back with her raw chicken hands, didn't take the gloves off, came back out and she was about to start doing something else that did not involve raw chicken. And I called her out on it and I was like, hey, you should probably clean your gloves or or change your gloves out because those things have chicken on them, dude. She's like, oh, yeah. They do, don't they? And then she took her gloves off and changed them. And I'm like, I can't believe you were about to touch things with raw chicken hands. That's like salmonella waiting to happen, man. It's terrifying. So, um, yeah, I mean, watching people and asking people questions and, uh, you know, that is a big part of emetophobia and something that makes me feel a lot more calm. I know it's not the best thing to do um, as far as your recovery goes, but uh, it's something that we all kind of seem to do and it helps us in some way. Um <clears throat> Sorry. I have a uh, frog in my throat it 's hard to talk I like I need to drink some water or something, but um, this next one's kind of a longer one eating less food after being in contact with somebody who has a stomach bug as to not be sick um, as much if you get it. so I have this weird thing too myself where if i 'm feeling nauseous, I feel like the less or the easiest things that I can eat i 'll eat those things because if I have to have it come back up, I want it to be as like easy as possible. So I always avoid milk, and I always avoid like things like that because it makes me really weary. I don't want to have to be sick and have that in my stomach when it happens. So um, some people have this, some people don't. But for me, yeah, it's been something where I'll eat a lot less food or I'll eat like easier foods um, if I've been around somebody who has the stomach flu because I don't. If I do get sick, even though I don't usually get sick, if I do, I don't want to have that be in my stomach. So <clears throat> it's a weird thing that I've picked up from somewhere, but it seems to be pretty uh, in my mind now. So um also the next one is associating activities with getting sick so there's times where i've been to the bar to play pool and somebody got sick at the bar and like you know got sick in the in the building and it's been traumatic and there's things in life like uh for instance um uh, the spinny type of like carnival rides i had to ride on one of those with a kid one time who got really sick and it was traumatic as hell so Um, I associate certain things with certain things like uh, raviolis. I'll never eat ravioli out of the can like Chef Boyardee because one night I was sleeping and I had it like come up my throat a little bit and now I'm just afraid to eat ravioli because I think it's going to make me sick even though it won't. So there's little things that we associate in life as uh, you know triggers for us and um, sometimes they're very weird. I've met some people who like don't do certain things because of uh, a traumatic situation that happened in that maybe like not going to a specific store because they saw somebody get sick. there. There's a girl I, I was um, listening to or watching something about, and she uh, didn't use the bathroom in her sister's room there or something for like nine months or something because her sister had gotten sick in there or some shit. So it's just, you know, we associate different activities with uh, getting sick, and it makes us not want to do those activities, which is odd, and it's uh, definitely like a running away tactic, but... Um, yeah, definitely happens. And the last thing on my list for this episode is always questioning people who have been sick. It's a big one. Uh so yeah, anybody even if it's a common cold they're like, "What kind of cold was it? Like did you have a stomach ache or did you uh just sneeze and like cough a little bit? When you coughed, did you get like, you know, did you cough up phlegm or did you like what happened when you were co-? like you're just so specific and they're like, "Dude, I just had a cold. Like chill out." And people don't understand that, like, I need to know every detail. Because, like, if I get sick, I want to know what to expect. And I can't have myself being sick like that. So um, that's definitely something that really bothers a lot of us with emetophobia. And it's uh, something that, you know, it's hard to get away from sometimes because you're around people all the time. So it's been easier with COVID, I guess, because everyone's wearing masks and trying to social distance. But, um, yeah, it's still pretty difficult. You're still around people and you're touching doorknobs and, you know, you can't be... Too clean, you know, it's 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 hard nowadays. So anyway, that's this episode. Um, these are just some random symptoms that uh, I've had and other people have had with a metaphobia that I can share with the world and uh, hopefully if you have a friend or family member or even yourself uh, if you're contemplating whether or not you have emetophobia, I would maybe look into that, consult with a actual professional physician though. I'm just a random dude on the internet, so I don't know much about medical stuff, but I know that I've had a metaphobia for a long time and these are some things that I've dealt with personally. And, uh, yeah, hope this helped you guys out. If it did, make sure to go down and leave me a review on the podcast and uh, give me some stars and show me uh, what you think of it. Also, you can find me over on Instagram at the Metaphobia Podcast. My email is theametophobiapodcast at gmail.com. I'm currently trying to find some people to send me some horror stories. So if you've had some really traumatic situations happen with your emetophobia, um, you can either stay anonymous or give me your name and your handle or whatever you want to do, send that all over to my email, or you can send me a voice memo over on uh, Instagram. Uh, and I can just screen record that and then upload that as a podcast episode as well. So whatever works for you guys. Uh, I also have a Facebook group as well. Um, you'll be able to, all my links are on Instagram there. There's a link tree. So that's where I'm most active. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I will see you on the next episode. Peace out. Hey guys, welcome back to the Metaphobia podcast. Today's episode is all about navigating relationships with emetophobia. As someone with this phobia, it can be very difficult to navigate relationships and romantic partners, friends, and family members. In this episode, we will discuss some of the most common challenges faced by those with emetophobia and provide some tips on how to handle them. So enjoy the show and let's get into it.